Hello, good day and welcome to our podcast. Today is a really exciting day because I have the beautiful Catherine Haig, children's author and women's worker, so to speak, on the podcast today. We go really, really deep into a whole range of topics, but we do talk about women's health and we talk about our cycles and periods and how they can impact and really how we can work with that cycle. I know as I head towards perimenopause myself, my energy levels are really, really impacted and I have to take that into serious consideration with the work that I do. And I know a lot of other women find themselves in that position as well. So we really wanted to open that conversation up within early childhood education because as we talk about in the in the podcast, we are humans and we are having a human experience and that is different for everybody and we should be able to talk about that and how we can manage that. It's not the only thing we talked about by far, definitely not the only thing, but I felt like I needed to put a little caveat note on there for anybody who might not want to listen to that. But I do encourage you to to listen because it might help you to put things into perspective for yourself and you might see yourself in that and it might give you permission to settle into that a little bit more. We talk all sorts of things, art and the importance of art and how that can impact and and really have positive benefits on the children in your care as well, plus a whole heap of other stuff. So I'm going to finish here now so that we can get into the listening of the podcast and I hope that you really, really enjoy it as much as I did. Catherine was a beautiful guest to have and I could listen to her talk all day. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello and welcome to the Big Hearted Podcast. My name is Victoria Edmund and I am your host. Our aim here at the Big Hearted Podcast is to nurture a community of heart-centred educators to change the perception and delivery of early childhood education and care in Australia and ultimately around the world. We want you to be inspired by our guests and the topics we bring to you to think of new ways of being as an educator. We want you to feel a sense of belonging via this podcast so that you can engage any time of the day or night in any place that suits you. We want you to become an educator that delivers education from the heart, as we believe this is how we create great change within our world. So join us as we discover new ways to inspire each other here on the Big Hearted Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Big Hearted Podcast. Today, I am joined by Catherine Haig. She is a phenomenal woman. We've just been chatting before we hit record for 30 odd minutes, (laughs) and I'm just so inspired by what Catherine has to share. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Victoria. It's my pleasure to be here. So Catherine and I met online a number of months ago and I was really inspired by something you were sharing on Facebook and I thought this lady is super connected. 
and I've followed things that you've said over the months since we've first come in contact with each other. And I really wanted to get you on the podcast because I thought so many people would also resonate with what you have to say and the things you have to share. So because some people may not know who you are, I'm hoping that you can tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to be in Australia and doing what you're doing right now. Okay, so yeah, I was born and bred in the UK and around mid-20s I decided to move to America. I was a nanny for my cousin who was nursing over there and it was around about then that I found out about the Montessori way. I didn't know what it was and the mum of the children just said, oh, you know, you'd be really good at doing this and then the teacher that owned the school said, you'd just be such a great Montessori teacher. So I kind of looked into it more and the next minute I'm doing my diploma. And then I went back to the UK after four years. And where I lived, there wasn't really a massive call for Montessori, like nursery teachers, they used to call them. And not enough really to live on as a single person. So I decided to embark on my teaching degree around the age of 29 and it was then I did like it was mainly literature but I did lots of psychology and sociology and looking back now that's always been a passion of mine health and well-being how people like how people's minds work and looking after yourself and all that kind of filling your cup stuff really motivated me so I did that and then on the day this is a funny story actually on the day I ended my dissertation in Myself and my friend went out to celebrate and I said, oh, you know, in five years, I've got this goal. I'm going to be the head teacher of a school and I'm going to be this independent career woman. And that's the night I met my husband. (laughs) Really weird. So, yeah, the rest history kind of from there, we got married about a year later and had two girls close together. And I started teaching in the UK. It all seemed to happen at once, like marriage, children, teaching career. And then after about I don't know, 10 years in, I said, there's got to be more to life than, you know, like this cold weather and scraping all the ice off the car in the morning. Let's go live in Australia, (laughs) you know, and we started looking at the lifestyle and our neighbours were going as well. They were talking about it. So in 2010, the four of us moved over here and it was really heartbreaking leaving the family. We didn't know how painful that was going to be. And we started from scratch. We ended up in Noosa on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, put the girls in school there, spent a year trying to get into the teaching system, but there was a bit of a system where you had to do remote and I didn't want to move away from my family after moving to the other side of the world. So I ended up getting work as a kindergarten teacher. I ended up back in a Montessori school, funnily enough, after 10 years, and it kind of went from there. So after a year, I then started doing kindy teaching in childcare centres which I really loved, but I didn't like the system. It was so different from primary school teaching. So after four years, I decided to open my own business in family daycare and work from home. My girls were still young, so it worked really well around school runs and everything. And I've been doing that now for eight years, like next month. So lots have changed over those eight years. But during COVID a couple of years ago, childcare went through a really bumpy patch, as you know. And I really got into doing some art because I had a lot more time on my hands. And then when we came out of lockdowns, one of my close friends said, why don't you do art classes for women? Like, you're really good at art. And I thought, well, you know, I might not have a job. I don't know what's going to happen. So I started doing these art classes, which really took off. 
And then I started getting asked to do them at women's retreats. And it just, everything just went really fast. And I just yeah. went with it. So the next minute I was doing art classes for adults through the NDIS, women's retreats, like groups of 15 to 20 women, which really stretched me and got me out of my comfort zone. And then art classes at my place and then art classes for children. So in 2019, I launched a children's book called The Powerful Peacock. And it's about self-love and helping parents. So the book was like, how can I get a message through to parents to feel connected to their children? And I thought if I do it through a book, they sat reading it together and they connected. And it just so happened that the story was, I didn't know this at the time, but the story was about myself and my mum. We didn't have the best relationship. And the story through there was about the mum not having any emotions and connecting with the child. So she kind of went off on her own way. But in the end, they came back together again. And my sister pointed out and said, that's actually our story that you've written. And she's like, you know, that's a really nice healing process through art and writing. So from there, everybody loved the artwork and said, why? I'm thinking the writing's my strong point. Everyone's like, the art's amazing. Why don't you do classes for children? So I started doing art classes every school holiday. And then before I knew I got about 50 plates spinning, (laughs) like you do as a woman. And I did start to burn out a little bit this year where I just thought, I'm just trying to do too many things because from there as well, I started doing homeschool classes for children. Yeah, right. So, and at, at the same time, along with that, I really started to connect more in with myself and looking to fill in my cup and self care and went down that avenue. And I enjoyed working with women. That's when I started to do artwork to create a journal for women around moon cycles and looking into our energy and emotions around the moon. So that's been a massive passion that's been running alongside. But when I've sat back and looked and my husband's like, you just do so many things, which is in my nature. I'm like, something's really got to go. And it's quiet at the minute. So I've let the art classes for adults go. And then last year, I decided I really wanted to help people more and get rid of all this baggage that we carry around from our childhood. And I took my NLP practitioner's coaching certificate. That was on a 10, 11 day retreat. And then I've got my master's in September. So I'm kind of just listening to the audios and because that's like a whole new level where we'll go like five to seven hours deep removing everything from our lives. So I just thought I'll give myself a grace period and just stick to doing the work with the children at the minute. So I'm just doing art classes for homeschool children and running a little homeschool collective from my house Montessori style at the minute. And that's pretty much it as apart from running the house. So I've learned burnout and I've learned taking on too much and being a people pleaser and not understanding how to say no. So now I'm in a lot better position. And the NLPs actually help with that. So that's where I'm at right now in my life. (laughs) Incredible, incredible journey. Like, and I think there's so many people that will be able to relate to how one thing in your life leads to another, to another, to another. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in this place. You know, I was thinking my son turned 21 yesterday. So I'm 42 and my son turned 21. And I was like, you know, our lives have just come to this point where daughter's 18 where it's like I feel like I'm becoming this person now. I was having this conversation with myself because, you know, when you're doing dishes and you just have your (laughs) own thoughts to yourself and it does happen, ladies, those of you that have little children, 
you will get to a point where you start having thoughts on your own again that are uninterrupted. It's so glorious. But I was thinking, you know, there's so many friends of mine who have little children now, you know, and mine are like flying the coop. I thought, well, what's the difference between having children young to having children older? And I was like, you know, yeah, you get to enjoy your youth doing all the things that you want to do and you find yourself. And then I thought, but the minute you have children or you bring children into the mix, you change anyway because we were talking about this in before we started recording because children are the most amazing teachers that you'll ever come across, whether they're your own children, like especially your own children, they know how to like hone in on your buttons <laughs> and touch them with just looking. They don't even have to open their eyes some days and you're already like, oh, right? But other people's children have that innate ability too and it comes from this place of like, innocent love like they just share things of themselves and when you can be open and attuned to it you can really pick up on those lessons and whatnot so you know I think it doesn't really matter if you have children young or older they bring this level of change about and I love that you've like laid your story out like that and you can see those changes in life and you start this journey and you're like, yes, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And the universe goes, hold on, lady, we're going to chuck a man in this story here and, you know, <laughs> the whole thing's going to go this way now and, you know, it's going to take you on this whole other path. We do that as educators too, you know. We have these plans that we want to put in place and then there's a child comes in and goes, no, 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 we're going to do this. <laughs> So I love that you've been able to go with that flow and get so much learning and also acknowledge that it's still this learning. We never stop learning. So let's circle back to like, because we touched on before we started recording, we probably should have recorded a lot earlier <laughs> in this conversation. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to keep, well, well, before we recorded the whole way through this podcast, but we were talking about how children are these amazing people that can bring awareness. Part of our Essential Elements course, we talk about deeply connected relationships. It's a whole module on that. And that literally, as I was sharing with you before, is about the space that you hold as an educator is how the children will respond. So if you come into a space and you're cranky and frustrated and you aren't even aware that that's the space you're holding, the children are going to reflect that to you. As an NLP coach and woman that's got this lived experience, do you have things to share with educators around how their inner world can become visual through the children? Yeah, first I remember being told a long time ago that don't bring your problems to work and don't take your work problems home. So if you can separate those first, Sometimes I used to think, these are my problems, put them in an imaginary jar on a shelf till the end of the day and then just get in there and be with the children because they actually take you away from your worries and that mm. those stories and thoughts that go around your head will repeat them I think we have 70,000 thoughts a day and it's just usually if you ever sit and listen to your thoughts a day it's the same stuff going round and round and round like a story so put that in a jar and just get and be with the children on their level like I love art and I love watching them paint. I was sat watching them paint yesterday. I bought a new easel. I told them I'd thrown the other one away because it had got moldy. 
with all the rain and they wanted to ask all these questions and I asked them their opinion what do you feel about the new art easel and I always like talk to them whatever age they are and ask what they think because their opinions are important but then I go into their world they'll pick up a little ladybird or an insect and they're just in such awe and wonder and if you just be with them and get into their zone you're not thinking in that adult world just Mm. if we're working with children we need to be with children and connect with children you know like for me when I had 24 children in kindergarten I used to be make sure that I'd connected with every child even if I'd said good morning I like your socks (laughs) you know it's just important that they feel acknowledged because there are basic needs we all need to feel acknowledged and heard and connected so like from a young age if we are just really showing them that we're interested in them they're growing up like that we are so powerful as role models what we do especially in the early years that we're children are going to remember that the most of the time in coaching, I spend time removing old emotions that started between the ages of zero and seven that yeah. as children we take on board and we, our parent might get cranky at us and angry and we then think that they're angry at us all the time and we think it's our fault. But really it might have just been the ball went into the neighbor's garden and the parent reacted to the child when the child drops a toy And the child thinks they're in trouble, but they've not dealt with the fact that they've got to go around the neighbors that they don't like. So this is as children, how we grow up and then we carry that baggage all the way through. So in timeline therapy, we remove that first event. We go back and remove it, but we carry that baggage. So for me, knowing that, I like to make sure that I'm always mindful of I'm speaking to them, I'm listening to them, I'm valuing them and their importance because they all count. They're all equal and they all count. No one comes in better than anybody else because of the background and the family and what they know and don't know they're just all seven little important human beings that walk in my house and I know that they're happy because they don't want to go at home time even though they've got beautiful families and they come running in and give me a hug every morning and I'm like what am I doing that's right and it's got to be that connectedness and being interested and getting on their level with the ladybirds and the butterflies and yeah it's magical their words magical they talk about unicorns they talk about they're mad about rainbows and stuff like that. I'm like, when did we stop believing in that magic? And for me, that's my space of magic and play that I go into during the day. It's the best job in the world, honestly, working with preschoolers. (laughs) I love it. I miss it. When I go and work with my team, I really miss being with the children because there's a slowness. Mm -hmm. If you can allow yourself to experience that, and I know a lot of educators really struggle. They've really been indoctrinated that we have to entertain the children and you have to provide this and you have to provide that I think when we get into that space a we burn out b we spend a lot of money that we don't need to spend because we're just constantly buying resources c we're overwhelming the children and we're not allowing them to actually be in the space and to drop right Mm. in you know those moments where the children creatively play And I sit back and I pick up my craft and I finish, you know, making resources for our space or I'm doing my documentation and I share those stories and educators go, but you can't do that while the children are there. And Mm. I'm like, well, yes, I can because the children have dropped into that moment. The children are completely and utterly present in what they're doing and they don't need me to be over the top directing them. And I think we've really lost a lot of that along the way. And I think some of that comes from 
us needing to be busy to avoid sitting and being. Yeah, our society is of our emotions, and all they yeah. are is just energy and motion. And yes. I think if you let them pass, they're not getting stuck inside you. Yes, but you've hit the nail on the head there, Victoria, because I think by us being busy, what are we teaching the kids? So I'm really into having a cup of cacao and doing my gratitude in the morning. So I'll go get all the lids off and help them, and the big ones help the little ones, and I'll say, I'm going to go inside and just do this cacao and they know it's part of my ritual and then I sit down with them and I take my time what have you got in there Catherine and I'm like it's cacao and then all the questions come up and then I'm like when you drink cacao you think about things you're grateful for so grateful just means you know something that makes you happy or you're glad you've got so let's go around the table so that's become a little ritual but I'm like the most important thing about that is they see that I'm bringing some of my joy into my day and they're curious and they see yeah. that it's okay that a grown-up takes 10 minutes to sit down. And if I sit down and not do jobs, they will sit down and eat longer. So it's just yes. all the part of the social connectedness. And it's not forcing them to eat. It's just being there and chatting. Oh, like, what are you having for dinner tonight? And, oh, I've got oranges and apples. Just the little things that they get curious about makes me laugh. Like, yeah. we've all got an apple. We've all got an orange. And I'm like, yeah. this is just yeah. so simple. Yeah. I love it's it. So, why do it's you so funny. things? <laughs> well, this is why I encourage educators to eat with the children. Like, sit down and be with the children because yeah, it's your time to rest your legs. Yes. It's a, well, that too. But it's so enriching. It's mm. the conversations that you have. There's something about, like community, we used to be a species that was so community orientated, you know, and then all of a sudden we started driving in our metal boxes an hour away to work, to work with people we don't associate with outside of, which is fine, but we also then drive an hour back in our metal box and then come and live in our brick box and we don't really associate with our people anymore. And, you know, children are missing that. Parents are busy. Two parents are working now. You know, they're often dropped at kindy between, you know, 6 and 8.30 in the morning. That poor mum's got to get two children up and ready and out the door by a certain time so she can get in her metal box and go to, mm-hmm. go to work. You know, children are having breakfast in the car. You know, they're still in their pyjamas when they're getting to daycare. And this is not to mum bash because I was that mum at some point for periods of my children's upbringing as well, but it's for educators to be aware that when children come to your service, and I did a live on this a few weeks ago about morning circle and the importance of morning circle and how you can bring presence into your morning circle and purpose behind gathering together, mm. it's exactly the same with mealtimes. Mealtimes are so important. important. Even for, like, I go to women's circles once a month, and the reason I go is because it's choosing who I'm spending time with like-minded people, and it's learning, and it's feeling heard and acknowledged, like I said before. So if I'm feeling like that as an adult, the kids need it as well. So circle time, I remember in the UK learning a really going on a really good day's course about circle time. I just took so much home from all of that. Mm. I went back the next Monday and I had grade five that year. And I just said, that's it. Every Monday morning when school starts at nine o'clock, all the chairs go in a circle and we do circle time because I wanted them kids to come in and feel like whatever had been going on in their world over the weekend, some of them might not have even been out of the house. 
Mm. To just talk about the feelings and we held a rock and the person who held the rock, just like a talking stick, everybody else just had to listen to that child. So they all felt that they got a turn. And there were 32 children in that group. But that week then went really well because Dean yeah. heard. And that's one of the most valuable tools you can do with children is a circle time, whether it's at meal times or sitting like you say on a mat and doing it. Yeah. It's so yeah. important. It's so amazing. We have an educator and she does full moon tea ceremonies with the children. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. And we took our team on, we did a tea ceremony for a Christmas end of year celebration and a basket weaving course. And so she actually ordered teas from this lady who hand makes them down on the Gold Coast here and she brought them up into her daycare and she would do these full moon tea ceremonies and the children shared their gratitude. You know, My kids would love that and my families would love that. They like to do all that kind of stuff with them. Yeah. And see, I think people on a cellular level crave this kind of deeply connected way of being because as a human being, we're intrinsically designed to cohabitate in community. And when Mm. we don't have enough of that, you know, that's when things go awry, you know, and and mental health, like we talked about it before we started recording, through the pandemic, you know, they said right at the beginning mental health is going to be the biggest thing that comes out. Now Mm. I've had a series of mental health stuff for myself that not concerning but things that I've really had to sit with and process and do some investigation Mm. into as to why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. And I shared, you know, it's really only been this week that I actually have felt like I've started processing the trauma of the last two years and it has been traumatic. And children need that space too. They process a lot quicker than what we do if they're given the space to do so. Mm. And this is where play and storytelling is really a wonderful tool because you'll see children processing you know things that happen within their families through play when they have enough space to have creative play and this is one of the things that I think often gets overlooked when you're in a group of 24 children that is a bit harder to happen because we're processing all of the sound and everybody else's energy and everything else going on in the room whereas family daycare one of the massive benefits of that is you've got four children during the day Mm. you know and that does come up I saw amazing things come out in play for children and it would be the same in art when they're given that opportunity to express themselves through Mm. that medium that artistic medium you know and they're emerging artists when they are little it's often Mm. then when they start taking on these beliefs that they're no good yeah which is where I work with women and they when I get them to paint they just the self-limiting beliefs that come up are unbelievable perfectionism so that's again like working at the two realms for me with women and seeing where I'm supporting women and then looking back and thinking this started in childhood I feel that I've got that benefit and that extra knowledge where I can think this is where I need to be like yesterday they said we've not done art for a while because we didn't do it last week that's it and I'm like I'll get this new art easel set up so they tell me and I'm like that just shows how important it is and every single child sat and painted yesterday they were lining up to paint I'm like do you want to go play no they watch the other child paint yeah you don't need to be delegating and saying you go off and play which minds do even my mind jumps back to that do you not want to go and play but they get right up close and they chat painting 
I'm doing yeah. the sky and I'm doing the sun and I'm like art's oh, such an important part and it gets just pushed away in schools a lot so I'm like if I can get let them do as much as they want by just putting the resources out every day yeah who knows yeah. if I might create one artist over the years that I've you know yeah been with yeah. the kids yeah. yeah yeah so it's just and that's something where you're not having to set up and there's no outcome they can just do it and go back and forth as long as the water's clean and the paints are there and the paper's there yeah. teaching them how to peg the paper on to the easel they're away yeah. they can go and paint five times a day for one I mean I would do that if I had the t- chance yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep my yeah. art easel set up and go back and forth to it so if a kid that Amazing. loves art wants to do that they can yeah. Well, see, your artistic expression is art and painting, mine's singing. And I would spend my day singing with the children. And we had talk like a musical days. My own children hated it. But, you know, (laughs) the the kindy children loved it, you know, because it brings a little bit of silliness in. But there's so much learning that goes through that. Yeah, Um, there is. They love dancing. Yeah. That's another angle as well, right, Victoria? You put some music on and they're just up there dancing and you're like, I've got to do this too. Yeah. I used to stand on the sidelines being the DJ, but I just give the older kids, I'm like, here's my phone or here's Google. If you want another song on, put it on. And I just get in there and dance and it shakes that energy. And I'm like, they're spontaneous. They don't mind who's watching. <laughs> Join in. Like, what job? You can't do that in an office. You could not no. all jump out in a dance. Whereas with kids, you're like, this is my time. No yeah. one's looking. They don't yeah. care. They look at you and they don't judge you at all. <laughs> no, shimmer and shake away here, lady. That's totally fine. We could do it in my office here <laughs> with, with <laughs> Jess and Marta and Karen, but not in a corporate space, definitely not. I'd be labelled a weirdo, which I'm okay I know, with. But we can do all our weirdness with kids. It's like it takes me back and I think the things that I were good at when I was younger, we naturally bring them, like you say, you're singing. We naturally bring them into our teaching. Yeah. But also the other things that we might want to explore that we would never explore with kids. Like, you know, we don't always put music on and break out dancing. You have to think about doing that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, they remind us of all the things we probably could be doing. Like yeah. we stopped dancing as a kid. We stopped singing as a kid. We stopped. Like women come to me and they're like, my art's not like yours. And I'm like, but I do it every day. And, like, when did you last pick up a brush? Oh, I was probably about five. And I'm like, yeah. well, then your skills are a five-year-old. Some yeah. of my six and seven-year-olds that come are going to be more advanced because they're doing it continually. Yeah. So, like, we have so many expectations of ourselves. Yeah, it's interesting. So we've not it? done it for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And and we have this expectation. We're so indoctrinated with Instagram and you know people sharing their highlight reels of their lives you know and they may be an artist but like you say they practice their craft every day multiple times a day you don't see that you just see these beautiful end products Mm -hmm. and you judge yourself based on that and this is where I think you know working with children there isn't an expectation from the children the children don't expect unless no. we've set it up that way, that we're well, going to entertain them. No. This is the funny thing as well. We put outcomes into the schools and the early childhood learning outcomes, but you just don't know which way the outcome's going to be. It's like a lot of things, especially in the early years, needs to be open-ended. Like my life, yes. 
you know, I got these plans and these outcomes and they didn't go that way. So it's like in an interview and someone says, where do you think you'll be in the next five years? I'm like, I'm not even going to say going on my life. It could be anywhere. (laughs) You know, anywhere. Uh, Going on my path. (laughs) I want to end up here, but I'm going to tell the universe I want to do this so that I end up over here anyway. (laughs) Yeah. The other side of the world before kids not teaching. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I didn't even have a chance to make plans for my life before I started being a mum, but, you know, that's a whole other story for another day. Yeah, it's interesting because it definitely led me down a path that I never thought I'd go down. And it's been one that's been so joyful to live. So, and so much learning comes from working with the children. But I want to just sort of change direction a little bit here for a minute because I think part of being an educator is acknowledging that you're a woman if you are a woman that's educating some maybe men that are educating but I specifically want to talk and address this to the women because we have and we we talk about this in ebb and flow which is one of the modules of our essential elements and we talk about rhythm so we look at rhythm as opposed to routine because rhythm has an ebb and a flow to it routine is just rigid and stuck you know and, and inflexible as women we are governed by cycles we are governed by cycles of the moon which impacts our own cycles We're governed by our cycles of, you know, seasons of life. Like we all go through them. They're not all at the same point. So you have a beautiful diary or planner that you're bringing out that you've spent a long time working on. It's coming out towards the end of the year. Do you want to touch on that? Because I think a lot of women will, particularly women that are heading to that menopause, perimenopause era, that will find some real value out of that and some validation. And like we were sharing before we recorded, how like you didn't even know this stuff existed until you were in it. And by then you kind of like, it would be really helpful to have some forewarning. So do you want to share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, a couple of years ago, I just met this lady, local lady, through a group of people where we used to get together on the coast. And she created this movement called the Goddess Day. And I was invited to the launch. It was beautiful. And all it basically was is start by finding 10. She said, Friday's really good if you can make it Friday. So you start with a Friday. That worked for me. And she said, just take 10 minutes and sit and read or go for a walk around the block or, you know. If you can add a little bit longer, just go to the beach. So I started really small by doing that. I think it started off as a lunch date with a friend every Friday. And then I think I added swimming in, like I wanted to start swimming. And before I knew it, Friday was this whole goddess day. And then she had these T-shirts. So I used to put my T-shirt on on a Friday and be in that mode. So it was whatever I felt like doing on a Friday. It was a really great place to start. And then from there, she said, I'm going to be doing this online Zoom Every week, we're going to be talking all things women. So that's where I learned about, I was interested in the moon anyway, but then I started to connect the moon to cycles. And a lot of us were kind of perimenopausal or postmenopausal. So we learned how to track our energy and our emotions and what we felt like eating. There were a few little things and we just tracked them for three months. So we could get a broad view of what was happening. And I noticed that Seven days, my moods are quite low and I didn't have much energy. 
And then the next week there would be higher again. So I learned about masculine and feminine energy. So as women, many of us will admit, and I was one of them, that we've been operating in the masculine mode or masculine energy for ages. And that's basically do, 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 do. You just become superwoman. Whereas like then I learned about, well, what is feminine energy? And it's when you want to just be. So it's okay to sit and have a cup of tea and do your goddess day. So I noticed seven days I was up, seven days I were down. So we're all different. So I learned first of all, I was unique. But then I learned that my thoughts were quite negative around the new moon because that's when we're meant to go in. And around the full moon, anything that I wasn't dealing with that month was highlighted. It comes up for the opportunity to say, okay, well, I've not really been spending much time with my family or it's all been work. And that highlights because an argument might come up with the family member. And then it brings you back to think, I need to get this tended to. So the cycle of the moon is just literally following when you're in your masculine and when you're in your feminine. So it's not a really good time to launch a big project when you're in your feminine. Mm. And that's usually when it's the time of the month as well for many women. So like Mm. how many of us push through when it is the time of the month and we're not Mm. feeling it? So Mm. I learned those few days, even me post-menopause, I will feel like a squirrel like eating a few days before. And then like, I'll feel like, not like, I think like my cycle's mainly around the new moon, but it can switch and alter. And when women get together, everybody usually gets their mens at once. I've noticed that when I've gone to retreats and circle times. So it's that energy. So people sometimes, you know, say, oh, how does the moon actually affect us though? But it's just the energy and the water, like most of our planet is water. Yeah. There's a lot more in that. I mean, I read Yasmin Boland's Moonology book that really got me there and then this doing this immersion got me understanding like this is a time to rest so I noticed that when I went in my masculine it's like right I can get my to-do list done and then I'd suddenly go into my feminine and it was like a crash it was like a freight train crashing and I'm like pushing through on that Monday and thinking why am I not wanting to do this or why is my body not wanting to do it and being really hard on myself I've got to get through all this stuff not allowing myself to rest and then thinking I'm in my feminine energy and my feminine energy is my, so I do a to-do list and I do a to-be list because the to-be list, it's got to be really a part that we balance. So I've been working on balancing that for about two years now and the moons are what remind me a lot to check in because now I'm into looking at the eight phases of the moon. But my journal will purely just be based on the full moon I've created a goddess for each month. So like June is the strawberry moon. So I'm looking at the fruits and nourishing ourselves, whatever part of the hemisphere we're in. Like here, I'm finding I'm dehydrated and not drinking much. So I've been juicing things like strawberries and watermelons and feeling back into where can I hydrate and give myself some nourishment. But if you're in the northern hemisphere, you'll be getting the summer months and it's like you need to up your water and your fruits and that kind of stuff. So each month, depending what the project, what the title of the moon is like, the wolf moon. I'll be doing some prompts in the journal to connect in like the wolf moon. Where do we resonate with the wolves? Women are powering the pack. Women are very instinctual, you know, so it's like really getting you to think and feel and come into yourself while you're journaling. It's totally different from anything else out there. It's just my intuition that I've downloaded and felt into each month and the meaning of each name of the moon and brought what can women have this month from this so yeah that's what's took time as well because when I'm intuitively thinking what I want to write I need that time and space and quiet 
and I, it's yeah. not something I can push to do. I can't just yeah. create that content. It's got to come through and think that's it. That's what needs to, what women will need because I need yeah. that. So I know if I need it, I know other women will need it because we just oh. all, we are just one. We're the same. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. I know my gym journey, my poor PT, Brett, oh, bless his soul. He went on a journey with me for 18 months and became far more in touch with his feminine side than he ever thought was possible. <laughs> but it helped him and his partner too because he was yeah, more on the I would come into the gym and I'd be like, because I get into, I go, I'm a power lifter and I do strong woman competitions. So, you know, I'm leg pressing 350 kilos and 350 kilos, I should say, you know, that's thing to sneeze at. And you know, I'm lifting heavy weights. But when it comes to that feminine part of my cycle, I will go into the gym and I'll be like, I think I need to cry. You know, like we're not touching the weights today, <laughs> Brett. We're just not going there. I am not using that for, I don't have the energy in me to output. Yeah, that's lifting to your energy in your body. Yeah, completely. So we would go and he'd be like, okay, what are we going to do? And I'm like, we really need to stretch. Like I just need to, and so we would get the rub, the, the big stretch band, the bands and put them in these bizarre positions and then I would act, you know, and like activate these different stretches and then it would just, you know, and I'm I'm in the MMA cage doing all this stuff, you know, and he's like, oh, my goodness, look at all those fascial trains that are unwinding. But to me I look at it as for the previous month before that, all that stuff I was holding holding my family, holding my businesses, holding all of the things, you know, the house, keeping on top of everything that do, 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 do. And then it comes to that point in my cycle where I'm just like, nope, I'm unwinding all of that tension and letting it all go and creating that space for myself. And like so interestingly with Brett, (laughs) a man, (laughs) But it was a safe space. We had this beautiful connection and it was total safe space. And in the end, he's now implementing what he calls deload weeks with a lot of the women he trains with. Wow, that's brilliant. He can can see, you know, without being, you know, personally involved in their cycle, he can see it from a training perspective. Yeah. And then following that week, was always the week where I would come in and buy, right, let's get this PB, you know, and it was hardcore, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. it's it. like a light switch. I'm so intrigued totally. to it now. It's like a light switch. Totally. And if we don't listen, what are we telling our bodies? We're telling, it's like going on a diet. You can't treat yourself. It's depriving yourself of something. It's lack of. So yep. you the best thing to do is just say, I'm going to, it's got to be positive. I'm going to give myself some really good nutrition. Yeah. You know, like not the diet thing is a whole other subject, which I've been on that whole roller coaster. And there's a lot linked to body image, but yeah, to just like someone saw me yesterday and she went, wow, you look the best you've ever looked. I'm like, I weigh the most I've ever weighed. And so it's just, but look at your curves and your femininity. And I'm like, my husband keeps saying that. So what's drilled into our head that we're not good enough or don't look good enough. So we go on these crazy diets instead of yeah. tuning in and thinking, what actually does my body need? And I know yeah. I'm super dehydrated at the minute. So I'm just, all I'm doing is focusing on getting as much hydrolytes in me through whatever way I need to. But if we just go against that, if you'd have gone to the gym and just done it, 
because you felt like you have to and we people please don't we as women but then your body's constantly in high stress and when you're in high stress your cortisol kicks in and your adrenaline so you're yep. constantly running in that and then what happens long term is you get autoimmune how many educators have got autoimmune i've had liver disease that's part of autoimmune there's yep. so many ways that it comes out in us because we're just going and going and going and don't ever stop and it's telling yep. our bodies you can't get off this merry-go-round because if you get off this merry-go-round you're going to crash you're going to be in your own space you're going to hear your own thoughts you're going to not be busy so many of us have just used to being busy and now I've got into that it's the most beautiful the spaces in between my thoughts and the spaces of doing nothing on some days is amazing there's still guilt around that because it's conditioning but it feels like why did I not learn this stuff years ago from being a young woman to to learn when to stop and not if not do things yeah like if I wasn't listening to that and I've said it to Brett so many times I would for sure be facing an injury and I did 18 months with two injuries the whole time and I'm lifting heavy weights so and I was always like nope I'm not doing that today yeah 100% listening to it Um, your body's more intelligent than your mind as well so that's when it screams out the pain and say stop but how often do we listen to it are we good listeners we might be good listeners with kids but are we good listeners with our own body See, and this is the thing, we touched on this busyness, 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 and this is what we do with children. Like we are unconsciously putting our busyness on top of the children. And this is, you know, if you do one thing, if you do one thing as an educator to bring more presence into your day with the children, sit and have a meal with them. Sit and have your meals, morning tea, lunch and afternoon tea with the children. Even if you don't want to eat, sit there and Mm. have a nourishing cup of tea. Have a drink, yeah. Yeah, in your travel mug because we've got to be safe, (laughs) you know. But, you know, do that like and make it with presents, you know, and tell the children that that's what you're doing. I'm making myself a nourishing cup of tea, you know, and really do that. Bring that in. Start bringing that Mm. slowness in. And if you're an educator that is, you know, quite wound up in the doing, then let's start having some being in there and see what change that brings about for you, for the children, for your business. Because if you go, 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 and you're trying to manage your own family, manage your house, manage your business, manage the daycare children, like it's not sustainable. And so this is where we really advocate less is more in so many aspects of education and care but also for ourselves because I think it's come to the time, like I know when we were like going into March 2020 and they were talking about lockdowns and stuff, I was like, yes, I'm going to get into my house, I'm going to declutter everything, I'm going to, rid- mm. I'm going to have some time. I was like, yes, I could really go and that never happened for us. Mm. Educators, we just had to keep rolling on and then roll with every single Oh my goodness, that whole thing, the changes, the you know, the experts that we were doing. Yeah, it was just insane. So I feel like educators really need to acknowledge that we've actually been through something very traumatic. We've held space for everybody. Now we need to address that we need to hold space for ourselves. And it's really, really important for us to do that and maintain that for ourselves. Because nobody else does it for you, you know, yeah. as women. That's true. Yeah, we are like vessels 
and I'm going to get a bit woo-woo and some people might feel uncomfortable about this conversation, but when we're talking about cycles, as women, we fill up over the month. We are a vessel that we are a container. Everybody Mm. comes and tells us these things. We take all of this stuff on. We have the ability to empty that vessel every month. Mm. That yeah. vessel becomes empty again. And that's where you are in that space of vulnerability. And a lot of, mm. I know I always feel like I want to go in my cave. Mm. You know, like I want people to, I want my family to cook meals. And, you know, there's days I used to get really bad migraines and I would just go to bed. The kindy mm. children would leave and I'd be like, I've just held it together. See you later. Close the door. Mm. I'm going, boiling hot shower and getting into bed. And my family Mm -hmm. would bring me a meal, you know, and then the next day I'd sort of be okay. But I would be really, I don't know, heightened vulnerability. And it was a beautiful Mm -hmm. space to sit if I could do that, even with the children, you know, and I wouldn't plan too much. We would go and sit out in the sun and we'd Mm -hmm. look at the cloud or we'd go and be planting in the garden and, Mm -hmm. and really earthing and grounding myself because that's when I was like, adding to me it's adding to the children Mm. and the children would get into that space too and often the children would be you know quite emotional and it would be lovely because I'd be like it's okay come and Mm. sit here and I'm just going to give you a great big cuddle and we're going to sit here and just be okay together you know because they were reflecting what I was wanting to do yeah didn't allow myself that space to do so it was really beautiful being able to work with the children in that too And we have to be aware that we do take everything on from other people. We Mm. do. And that's a real gift to be able to let that go Mm. and be present in that process. So, yeah, it's an interesting, and I think some people might be like, oh, like what are they talking about, periods? And, oh, what's that got to do with education? But we are people and these are the things that impact us. And we've come so far away from that connection. I think we need to start having these conversations and bringing it back. And that's the reality for a lot of women. They do just soldier on through it. Mm. And it's so not okay. So, Mm. yeah. So if people want to follow you, there's a couple of places that they can do so. So we've got Catherine Haig, children's author and artist over on Facebook. And then we've also got for your NLP and your women's work, we've got Catherine Haig art on instagram we'll put all of this in the show notes so that educators can find you and follow you if they're interested in knowing more and keeping up to date with when your journal Mm. comes out because you've done all of the artwork for all of it yeah yeah Yeah. i have yeah (laughs) Yeah. so exciting and such a nourishing thing for you to do for yourself and i know a lot of educators struggle with finding that time but really it's when you commit to it, there's no excuses. Like it just happens and you make that space in your life. So I'd like to finish today, Catherine. It's been such a wonderful journey, this conversation. It's been so great. I'd like to finish <laughs> today. Forever. <laughs> I know, I know. I knew, I knew when well, that first comment that drew me to you on Facebook, I was like, oh, yes, this lady is totally on my woo-woo wavelength. <laughs> I get so many personal messages from people on Facebook saying, I love your post today. It was so inspiring. I really needed that. Or loving your posts at the minute, Catherine. And I'm like, what am I writing here? I'm just like, you know, if I'm feeling jolly, I just share it. And if I'm not, I share that as well, because that's the life, the roller coaster. You've got to yeah. keep it real. It's okay yeah. to 
have a few weeks where you're not feeling great yourself but it's amazing like looking what you receive as well because I'm like it's my turn to receive compliments and people bigging me up again because I'm just feeling a little bit quiet at the minute but then I know it'll come back around again with cycles and nature and being a woman yeah. that I'll just feel like oh I'm in that masculine again I'm in my funny mode I'm making everyone laugh and you know I've got some great wisdom going on here and yeah it's just who we are we can't just be happy and perfect all the time it's just accepting the whole mess and then the happy yeah. days and everything yeah. in between yeah just being real well mm-hmm. when people start doing that and they're sharing that it allows other people to touch on that as well for themselves yeah, it does. And it gives yeah we've got to remember that permission. yeah it gives mm. people permission I mean there's so many cultural things that are like oh you know you, you can't show that you can't share that you can't talk about that you know and mm. it's like really really is that in my highest good is that in my best interest to keep mm. that inside some things yes <laughs> you know <laughs> There's certain people you can go to anywhere with, you know, but there's certain things that, you know, yes, you do want to keep private, but sharing that you're having a down day or that you're having an inward-facing day, and we talk about the in-breathing and out-breathing with children, you know, and creating your day with an in-breathing and an out-breathing motion where children, you know, on the in-breath, that's where they're sitting at the table and there are certain expectations about sitting at the table. You know, it's not appropriate to be throwing food. It's not Mm. appropriate to be yelling across the room at your friend from the table. You know, Mm. you are expecting that children are going to hold themselves in a certain way Mm. and then when you have this out-breathing, it's always followed by, Mm. you know, the in-breathing is always followed by the out-breathing where there is that creative play, where they can go and run they are wanting to throw things that's the opportunity Mm. to be throwing things you know there's this moment where the children can do this but then it must come back to an in breathing again you know Mm. and and this is how life goes it's the cycle you look at the tides the tide goes out the tide comes in the moon Mm. goes full the moon wanes or waxes whichever one it is I can't remember now the whole job lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah the tree grows the leaves come out the leaves fall off the leaves come back again this, this idea of cycles is everywhere and it governs us as humans and we as women especially have that cycle. Men have these cycles too, but it's... it's yeah, they different. do. They do, yeah. yeah. And that's something else as well. I notice sometimes we don't allow men around us to hold us in there, like you talked about the gym. We've got to allow men to hold us in that space and step into their masculine. I know when I was unwell the other week, I just had to allow my husband to cook dinner and it might not be done the way we want it as women. But it's like, where are we receiving as well? Are we getting that balance right and receiving as much as we're giving? So sometimes we've demasculated our men in society because we become where we can do it all and we're in our masculine. And then it's like, where's the place for our men? They're becoming demasculinated, if that's the word, or demasculinized. But yeah, we're not... (laughs) we're just taking that away from them by saying well I can do the whole thing I can run the house cook dinner pick the kids up work got a career you know we become this independent and at what cost at our health I think more than anything and it can push males away because we're not allowing them to be in their softness and hold that masculinity for us so you hit the nail on the head there with at the gym yeah he's now got a new turning point now your PT yeah, because he yeah. can understand women and that's thanks to you being open and letting him hold that space for you. 
yeah, I don't think he knew what he was in for, but. <laughs> that's his path, you see, that's got its own yeah. way. Forget yeah. plans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was so wonderful. And he's a friend for life, you know, like yeah. just, yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, watching my son too and he's just turned 21 yesterday and, you know, these cycles that they do feel, I remember when he was maybe 11, walked to the front door we were getting to go we're going to the bus stop and he walked to the front door and my dad was at our place for whatever reason he was at our place and Cooper got to the door and he just burst into tears and he was like I can't do today and I was like it's okay mate like it's all right come and have a cuddle you know and you don't have to go to school today you know and it's okay what's going on for you and he's like I don't know I can't talk about it but uh, you know and he just couldn't verbalize but he had this well of emotion come up and come out and I remember my dad looking at him and I he was gonna say don't be a sook go to the bus and I just went "Ah, ah, ah, ah." (laughs) we're not going there it's taking me a long time to undo that parenting Mm. of not showing emotions yeah you know and as educators we have to be aware of that too you know not ignoring children when they're having an emotional outburst Mm. there's times and places where you know someone's upset because they haven't got their own way and Mm. you know yeah you can be upset and that's absolutely okay I'm just going to be over here while you're screaming because it's actually Mm. hurting my ears when you're ready for a cuddle I'm here for you but I'm just going to move a little bit away from you right now, you know, as opposed to a child that's frustrated, you know, and having a deeply emotional moment where we hold space for them and allow them to process that. And, you know, a lot of what we do, the space we set up for the children too can set children up for success or failure as well. We talk a lot about visual noise when we Mm. have cluttered spaces you know, children with sensory, and I'm realising that I'm quite sensory. If my space isn't organised and tidy, messy room, messy mind. That's Mm. how I feel. And I know a lot of children feel the same way too. They are constantly bombarded with input, music, Mm. TV, devices, Mm. you know, people talking, busy places, your supermarkets where there's thousands of people you know, big shopping centres and things like that. Children are rushed from here to there, you know, mm. and there's never... There's no transition, is there, from leaving daycare to going home? Nope. Educators well. keep it Just keep it simple. They don't need loads. They can just have open-ended toys and things that can be rotated. I've always bought over the last eight years. And, you know, simple things like an opscotch that they can put together, a balance beam, Always some books, little nuts and crannies like teepees. You don't need heaps, just, you know, a little role play room. Yep. They're all happy coming yep. and doing that. I used to spend hours doing little setups and they'd just come in yes. and, you know, I used to think, well, I wanted them to play with it like that way and I had to let all that go because it's not about me and how I'm playing. It's about what they want. And yeah, it's been interesting. Most things that I buy can be folded up and put away and cleared yeah. away because I run mine in my home and then just basically you know things that they can get out and enjoy and just yeah. really the simple things like all they like is books you know like castles with dragons and things yeah. and just yeah. all that magical stuff it's just tuning into what they like and like you say especially coming from a Montessori background things are all meant to be in beauty and in order 
I'm not massive on a lot of the structure side of it, but I think if you've got a beautiful environment, they see that and they take that in and they grow up yeah. understanding beauty and order. Yeah, and respect for resources. Yeah, respect. The, yeah. the environment that they cohabitate in and the community yeah. that belongs in that environment too. Yeah. You know, I come from a Steiner influence background and mm-hmm. for me, you know, it's not so much the structure but everything has a place. There is a place for everything. Things go back in order because for me it's easy to see if something's, you know, missing. Mm. You know, we can then search for it before it gets lost forever. But that teaches valuable lessons to the children too. You know, I invested a lot in my business and I wanted the children to treat these things with respect too, you know. Mm. And, And it's so funny because one of my daycare children I had from 10 months old till she went to prep is now being taught by my son's old prep teacher, a class one teacher, sorry. Yeah, she has a hair clip that I made her and the teacher was wearing the hair clip that I made her (laughs) like way back 14 years ago now and this little one was like, I have that and they bonded over this connection. It was hilarious, you know, but she was really, you know, precious about it and that child would then see something lasted 14 years. She's like, I'm keeping forever, you know, and and (laughs) it's respect, you know, and I think we do a disservice when we don't have that expectation of children you know children thrive with expectations they really they know what's expected of them and when they know what's expected of them they live up to that they've got to be reasonable expectations but and you would have the same thing with Montessori stuff you know like there's a purpose you just have three simple expectations respect self respect others respect the environment most things yeah. come under those three things anyway, so we just go back to that. You know, yeah. how do you think your friend feels? Is that respecting others? Just bring everything back to those three things and they get start to get that. But, yeah, everything does have, like, we do have little glass jars and yeah. fresh flowers in them yeah, and, like, wooden materials that are expensive. But they don't really understand the cost and expense side of things. And I've caught myself before saying, oh, you've broken that, it was expensive. And I've had to catch myself thinking they don't know what expensive is. But I'm like, now just change it around and say, you know, if you've broken that, you've not got that to play with anymore. And, you know, we all enjoy playing with that. So it's just giving them a bit of food for thought, the sadness around it's broken, things break. There's no point getting upset about it. Things break, but, you know, what we could do next time to be more gentle with it, they get it. Oh, they, they just, totally yeah. get it. You just talk they to totally them. Know. Yeah. And when you, you see it, when you see an educator who engages respectfully, like deeply respectfully with mm. the children, the response is far different to yeah. someone who's like, oh, you break no that. that so yeah. That's shaming that though. Like, yeah, yeah. Like when you look back and you're ashamed at things, things that I felt shame around really does that does upset me. They are things that were really hard to shift when I did my timeline therapy. Just like a lot of time I went back into my inner child during the process. And my mentor at the time kept saying, you know, when you were little, what's gone on? And it was things that I said, well, I felt shameful doing that. So this, yeah. it goes back to where we shamed a lot. So that's another layer where I thought I'll not ever shame a child. Not that that was in me, in my yeah. personality anyway, but I'm really, really big on not shaming that because shaming children because they'll carry it forever oh forever if anyone wants to 
go deeper into that. Brene Brown is phenomenal with yeah, talking she about shame. Yeah, a lot on shame. Oh, she's phenomenal. Shame and being ashamed, yeah. yeah. And Nicole LaPera, the work too, her oh, book wow. is brilliant too. So, yeah, and I think like that comes from unconscious behaviours and as educators I really feel like you know not to load more on people's plates but we have to be aware of our unconscious behaviors that we on top of the children shame is a big one like when I first started my education career and like raising my own children I look back at some of the things and I was like oh you know like I would never do Mm -hmm. that but now I talk to my children about these things now you know I have such an open relationship with both of my Mm. children but the work the work goes in when they're little. You know, mm. you've got to teach them boundaries and respect and you know, yeah. it's okay to say no to people. It's 100% okay to say yeah, no. It is. It is. And, and not explain and not justify. Yeah, yeah. No justification needed. Yeah. <clears throat> I've been a justifier yeah, all my so life. If I've said I'm not coming somewhere, I'm not that person to cancel. Whereas now yeah. like, I'm starting to just cancel things and events, not just willy-nilly, but based on my health and my decisions, it feels really alien and it feels like I'm letting people down, but there's that people pleaser in there really deep and that scared of being saying no. Yeah. It's like, where did yeah. all this happen? We've got yeah. to say no and make our own choices. And if people don't receive no well, that's on them, not us. It's like yeah. we've got to accept yeah. what's best for ourselves. Oh, look, I am that person. If you ask me to something in six weeks' time, I'm like in the moment, yes, I've, oh, that would be mm-hmm. so good. Six weeks rolls around and I'm like, why did I say I would go to that? Why yeah. do I want to go now, <laughs> you know? So I don't commit to much anymore I just, because I don't want to let people down either yeah. and I don't want to let myself down and force yeah. myself to go and do things. So I will be like, I'll have to let you know a bit closer to the day how I'm yeah. feeling. Yeah. I know that makes it good for catering. And there's some things where you have to just push yourself to go, or a wedding or whatever, yeah. you know, but usually they're joyous occasions anyway and I'm happy to go. But, you know, there's other things, you know, birthday parties and things like that where I'm just like, oh, I really, I don't feel like peopling today. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, no, I've had a really big week. <laughs> Yeah, I've just driven back from Sydney and I'm just not feeling it now, you know. So yeah. it's interesting. So, look, it feels like my, now might be a good time to ask you for this quote. So it's been such a fabulous conversation. I've really enjoyed it and I feel like I could yeah, just keep talking too. about that with you. But <laughs> I just do the world thank you podcast. <laughs> no, it's fine. If we could get in the I'm Guinness sure. Book of Records. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, we have to beat Joe Rogan for that. He does the big three-hour-long epic podcast. They're so good, though. Like, And that's another thing that happens nowadays is everything is a minute or a three-minute video, you know, and then that's it. It's gone, you know. So yeah. to have these longer, not that it's drawn out, but these longer in-depth conversations, like mm. it does, we do go on the journeys. We inherently learn from stories. That's how stuff was yeah. passed, information was passed. People are interested in the past. You know, yeah, so interesting. That's why I wanted to do a podcast because there's phenomenal people that work with children and they have amazing things to share like you do. And it's not just always all about the children, you know, because our lives aren't just about children, you know. We, we bring our lives into our work and so we have to be, you know, 
clearing our vessels and being aware of these unconscious things that we take on. So, you know, being able to share this information like what you have today and people can follow you now and purchase your journal, then, you know, that's such a positive thing that's come out of just a simple conversation. So yeah, yeah, so people don't know who you are. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today, Catherine. And I'm Thanks going to ask you me. to share a quote that you live by or that really resonates with you so that you can leave that as a lasting impression with all the people today. I've been doing a lot of internal work and not really looking at external validation. And that really aligns actually with Montessori. Everything's internal, not saying, do you like my artwork? Well, do you like your artwork? So I'm really been going in depth with this myself. So what my quote is, I don't know who wrote it, but everything out there is also within me. Ooh. Simple, Ooh. but quite deep, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, when yeah. You look at Facebook and Instagram, like you've just said, I'm like, I can't paint like that. And like, I'm not getting that. I'm not doing that. Or I'm a failure. A lot of comparing-itis out there. But we've got to remember everything out there is also within me yeah just it's yeah. just tapping into what interests you yeah and the triggers those things that trigger you about other people are things to look at within yourself it's an invitation yeah, good one. That's beautiful oh I love that thank you <laughs> well thank <laughs> you right and not the one that I'm doing but it's, it's just got all little quotes at the bottom and every day I might be writing something and think that quote is perfect for today but that one has stuck because it is an inside job definitely yeah beautiful well thank you so very much for sharing with us today I really really appreciate it thank you for having me it's been great yeah awesome well our listeners if they want to know more they can jump into the show notes or search Catherine Haig children's author and artist on Facebook or for yep. the women's work that Catherine does, it's Catherine Haig Art on Instagram. So we'll put the links in the show notes. So thank you so much once again. Big love to everybody out there today. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with another episode for you next week. Bye for now. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. When we work on our own, we can sometimes be in a silo. So having new perspectives and different ways of looking at things is vitally important for the growth of our individual selves and our professional selves as well. We love feedback. So if you felt compelled to share what you thought of today's podcast, we would love to read your thoughts. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps our podcast to get out to the wider community. And the more that hear what we have to share, we think the better it is. Thanks so much, friend. We'll see you next time. Till then, big love.